0: To the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. And, and today we're actually going to talk about that last part, which I didn't agree with Jason to do that, but we're going to talk about what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good. So I'm just happy because today I'm getting a lot of little signs that God is working uh, to put together something amazing because of him for his glory and for your own delight. That's really what we're talking about today. Um, I have to say, though, before I get started with today's message, last Sunday was powerful. And I can't because it 's personal stuff i can 't share how it impacted me, but I can say god was he had the loudspeaker on me that day, and actually, he started from Friday uh, when I was at work teaching a class, and something awesome happened in the class and then on Saturday, we got together with uh Bill and, and Jill Randall, and again, he just continued speaking, and every time he was turning up the the loudspeaker more and more, and then Sunday, he was just straight up in my face. Yo! He was really screaming at me in a good way, and he was basically performing a surgical uh, enhancement in me for his glory. He was doing something awesome and dealing with some old hurts and pains that I had, and I just have to share that because... Uh, before we get started with the message because part of engaging with God and experiencing God is, is being here. And you just miss out when you're not. And, and I just want to encourage you guys to, when you think about coming to church, think about it always as, I'm not going because of a religious need. I'm going because if not, I'm going to miss out on God's word for me. I'm going to miss out on something amazing. And God has consistently revealed in the Bible that every time he says something amazing, it's usually through the church, through someone, a brother or sister in the body of believers. He usually says it through one of them to you. It's just amazing. Uh, That said, part of that word that came to me also started, I guess, uh, a question in my mind about what it is that um, our church needed to hear, and this is what I humbly submit today: that we need to hear. It's it's a concept that's not mine. It's a theologian that I follow a lot. People who know me know I love John Piper. Um, it's a concept known as Christian hedonism, which sounds weird, but we're going to talk about that today, because I think it is the proper way of understanding our faith in Jesus. It's all about seeking satisfaction. We are pleasure seekers. We really are. We love to seek what makes us happy, what thrills us, what brings rejoicing into our lives. What I mean, just think about it this way. I love to eat. Anyone who knows me knows that I love to eat. It's, what do you want to do to hang out? I don't know. Let's just go meet somewhere, eat, and talk. I love eating and talking. <laughs> it brings happiness to me. I love feasting. It's, it just brings happiness to me, right? I seek that pleasure. We all seek pleasure. And here's the problem. I think that there's, a, there's an incorrect notion that some people in church have spread, which is that pleasure is bad. Can I get an amen? amen? Some people have spread this notion that pleasure is bad. And pleasure is not bad. Pleasure is really good. It feels good. The problem is, where do we seek our pleasures? Today, I hope that God reveals to you through his word, not mine, through his word, through his written word in the Bible, that pleasure is something that we should seek. We should just seek it in the right place in him. We should seek satisfaction in him. To to illustrate this, before we jump into heavy scripture, let let me give you a childhood memory that I have. At least in Puerto Rico, I don't know out here in the States, but in Puerto Rico, kids growing up loved Pizza Hut. Like if you thought about pizza, that was the place to be because not only did they have awesome, tasty pizza and not only did you celebrate your birthdays there, but they had also the awesome arcade machines that you wanted to play. They had, you know, Turtles in Time, they had The Simpsons where Bart would like take his skateboard and hit people. It was all the good, fun and weird arcade games. But also the pizza was awesome. And I remember when my classmates, you know, in elementary school and I would get together, we'd always say, like, Pizza Hut is the best pizza. Nothing's better than pizza. And so I can, I can almost imagine my parents just looking at me like, wow, how ignorant, like how blind, that he thinks this is the best pizza. Pizza Hut is really the best pizza. Really, that's what you think. But there was no way you were going to convince me. I was blind to the truth of the fact that there's way better pizza out there. Seven years ago, for the first time, I went to Pizzeria Bianco in Arizona, in Phoenix, Arizona. It's one of the best pizzas in the nation. Blew my mind. That wasn't the first time I realized Pizza Hut was the best pizza, but definitely it just made me laugh at, like, wow, I was really blind and so convinced that the best thing was Pizza Hut, for pizza at least. Um, Years later, looking at myself as a child and now as as an adult, I never thought I would have enjoyed math. It's just something weird. I'm a math professor, and and you have to enjoy your job, right? I enjoy teaching math. I love doing math. But when I was... you know, a student when I was a, a, you know, in elementary school, there's no way you could have convinced me that that was a fun lifestyle to do. Yes, go and solve math problems. Yes, do that for fun. I would have said, nerd, <laughs> kind of like Homer Simpson. <laughs> nerd. It, Carlos, who's not here, he's outside watching the sanctuary. He still calls me nerd right now because of that. <laughs> He is blind to see what true uh, joy is. Uh, I kid, I kid. But it is the same way in our Christian walk. The truth is, we are meant to seek pleasure, joy, fulfillment, happiness. We are contentment. We are meant to seek all those things. And yes, pleasure—the P word, pleasure—we are meant to seek pleasure. The problem is, we seek it in the wrong things. I.e., we don't seek them in God we don't seek those pleasures in God so I want to bring you to our first point today the essence of sin is how we choose to value things more than God's infinite value the essence of sin is how we choose to value things more than God's infinite value this is why all sins in the eyes of God are the same all sins are the same in the eyes of God you you can try to rank them And sure, they have different consequences, but the reality is every time you sin, you say, this is better than God. Every time you sin, you're saying, I choose Pizza Hut over this, (laughs) over this other pizza that's amazing. Every time. That's the essence of sin. And this isn't my theory. This is in the Bible. I want to bring you to a couple of different passages. We're going to start with Jeremiah. Let's look at chapter 2 in Jeremiah, verse 5, so that you can see where God is headed towards this. He's telling the people of Israel that that's the essence of their wrong, that they chose to put their hope in something else and chose to find uh, contentment and joy in other things that aren't God. So in verse 5 in chapter 2 in Jeremiah, it says, Thus says the Lord... What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me? That's crazy. Something infinitely good has to say, what what was insufficient of me? Right? What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? God is saying, How can you compare something infinitely good with something that's so insufficient? Finitely insufficient. How can you compare that? That's a problem. A few verses later, in verses 12 through 13, he really gives it straight to you, and he tells you this concept of how we are seeking pleasure, we're seeking joy, we're seeking satisfaction, we are seeking fulfillment in the wrong things. Verses 12 through 13, it says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils, They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. The essence of sin. Right there. That's the essence of sin. Now, he was speaking to the context of the people of Israel, but this isn't isn't the only passage that says this. Paul also, in Romans, talks about this. How we exchange the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature. So I want you to also keep in mind Romans chapter 1 verse 25 because Paul is explaining the consequence of sin and he says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. In the previous passage in Jeremiah, it says, he is the fountain of living waters. We dropped that and said, let me get this broken cistern, and let me fill it up with water. Can you visualize what happens when you fill up a broken cistern with water? What happens? It pours out. It leaks. It never comes up. It never fills up. You will always feel empty if you seek in other things that aren't the fountain of living water. You will always feel empty. That's why those of us that in the past have struggled with Addiction in sin have realized that no matter how many times we repeat it, it just isn't enough. It's a hard one to say amen to, but I will because I've experienced it. I've experienced the repetition of sins in my life that I wanted to stop but kept doing because they were supposed to bring contentment to me, they were supposed to bring satisfaction to me, they were supposed to bring pleasure. Yes. But I sought pleasure in the wrong place. We do that at different levels, but we do that. We seek these broken cisterns, anything else that's not God that you value above God. And we all do it at different moments, at different stages, at different degrees, but we've all done it. That's why we are all sinners. We devalue God. As a mathematician, I have to make this example. Don't worry, it's not a math class. (laughs) Don't worry, don't freak out. I know Carlos right now is walking out of the church. I can even see him right there through the door. (laughs) He's like, oh, Carlos talking about math, I'm gone. But to me, it is as funny as trying to compare a trillion with infinite. A trillion sounds like a lot, right? Reminds you of national debt and things like that. (laughs) A trillion sounds like a lot. But a trillion in mathematics is nothing next to infinite. A trillion is this speaker next to the Empire State Building when compared to infinite. And the problem is we see big flashy things like a trillion, in our, life, in our lives, and we value them as if they're something big, but we forget that in comparison to God, God overshadows them. They are insufficient. They are always, no matter how big the cistern looks, it's broken. No matter how big the cistern is, it's broken. It's insufficient. It's not going to fill you up. It's not going to give you joy. It's not going to give you pleasure. It's not going to give you satisfaction. You will always want more because there's a God-sized hole in you that really can only be filled by God. Only by God. That's the essence of sin. We devalue the infinite with something finite. We devalue the ultimate pleasure with meaningless, temporary pleasures. In my case, the example I stated at the beginning, I say Pizza Hut is better than Pizzeria Bianco, and that's blasphemy. <laughs> it's blasphemy. I remember one time talking with my dad about movies, and he insisted that *Prince of Persia* was better than *District 9*. I'm a sci-fi geek, and I I, I I I remember in my apartment vividly this this fight. To me, it was like, you're blind? How can you compare that? That's blasphemy. Dad, that's blasphemy. You're comparing a crappy movie to a masterpiece. That was my way of seeing it. That's an insufficient analogy because, of course, movies are subjective. But it so reminds me of how this works, how we constantly try to bring up to God's level things that just don't measure up We try to get ultimate satisfaction from our relationships, not that relationships are bad. We try to get ultimate satisfaction from our jobs, not that jobs are bad. We try to get ultimate satisfaction from all these different things, and God is saying, you need to be seeking that in me because it is only satisfied in me. You're only complete in me. Your identity is in me, the ultimate pleasure. God is the greatest joy, satisfaction, and treasure that we can have. This is biblical. We're going to see it right now. God is the greatest joy, satisfaction, and treasure that we can have. Psalm 107, Psalm 107, verses 8 through 9. Hear what it says. And if you can, underline some key words I'm going to point to you. Let them thank the Lord for his circle or underline, steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies, underline it there, satisfies, the longing soul and the hungry soul he feel he fills with good things. Satisfaction. That's your passage for satisfaction in God. His steadfast love His wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. When you're hungry, he obliges. He satisfies. Another favorite of mine, Psalm 1611. This one in particular, because in the past one, my struggles have been with pleasure. Psalm 1611 has been medicine for me. Psalm 1611 has reminded me when I've sought pleasure in those other things that I am choosing Pizza Hut next to Pizzeria Bianco. I am choosing the lesser next to something infinite. I am choosing broken cisterns next to the living waters, the fountain of living waters. It reminds me of this. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Underlying joy there. Fullness of joy. Not partial joy. Not okay joy. Not eh joy. Fullness of joy. Nothing exceeds the joy. No joy exceeds that joy that you get from God. At your right hand are pleasures. Taboo word. Pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. I've been there. I've sought the pleasures where they shouldn't be sought. And God reminds me, I have pleasures forever more. Pleasures. It's okay to seek pleasure. It feels good. Just seek it in the right place. Seek it in the infinitely valued God who gives you pleasures forevermore, fountain of living water. Seek pleasure. Be a pleasure seeker. Be a godly pleasure seeker. That changes your life. If you just sit on that passage day and night, just not trying to like like, go crazy thinking on it, but let it sink in your heart. Feel it. Think about it. It'll move you into action. It'll start revealing that that thing is actually Pizza Hut and not Pizzeria Bianco. Pleasure is not bad. Pleasure is not bad. Seek it in the right place. People need the Holy Spirit to appreciate God's infinitely greater worth. That's the problem. We are blind to see that God is the fountain of living water. We're blind to it. We look, and what we see is something so insufficient next to God because we don't have the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us when we're outside of Christ. Now that we're believers, we have the Holy Spirit, For those that don't know Christ, they are incapable, like when I was a child, of thinking that Pizza Hut could be surpassed. But now we know better. We're Christians. We are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, indeed you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a disciple of Christ, then you've experienced this. It doesn't mean that sometimes you don't make mistakes, and sometimes you go for Pizza Hut because it's the quicker, easier thing. But we do recognize God for his value. So in a sense, the essence of walking, walking in a righteous way, walking in a godly fashion, is the reminder of the Holy Spirit of God's true value. Sometimes you need to remind yourself. This one's a big passage, but if you ever want to just focus on this concept of how the Holy Spirit needs to do the job for you, Write down this passage and sit on it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. We're gonna read them right now. We're going to see that there's no way for us to see God's true value without the Holy Spirit. No way. It's impossible, in fact, for us to see all the good things He provides, all the pleasures, plural. Don't, don't mistake that. Pleasures, pleasures, plural. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. All right, let's stop right there for a moment. That reminds me of how I used to think Pizza Hut was the greatest thing, because I had not tried something better. You can't imagine, you can't there's no way without the Holy Spirit that you can imagine God's greater worth. You can't imagine, as it says here, you can't see it, you can't hear it, you can't imagine what God has prepared for those who love Him. You can't. Let's continue reading. These things God has, keyword, revealed to us through the Spirit. There it is. We need the Holy Spirit's reminder. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. All of us without the Spirit, when we're not believers, we're at the same problem of not recognizing God's greater worth. Because we can't comprehend the thoughts of God, we need the Spirit. Verse 12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, this is to us believers, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, here it is, this is the big one. If you have a highlighter, this is the big one. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They are not able to see God's greater value. They are not able to see how God can provide pleasures greater than the ones they're seeking. They are not able to see how God can provide a joy greater than the one they're seeking. They are not able to see the satisfaction, the pleasures, all of it. They're not able to see how God can give you that. They're not. They need the Holy Spirit, just like we needed it. We need the Holy Spirit. And in fact, now that we're Christians, we need the Holy Spirit's reminder when we're tempted. We need the reminder. We need to pray that God remind us of his infinite worth and go to his word so that we're reminded of his infinite worth. The spiritual person judges all things, but his is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? I mean, who can comprehend, basically, he's saying the mind of God? But here it is. Here's the beauty of having the Holy Spirit. We have, but we have the mind of Christ. Now we're able to discern. Now we're able to understand the true value of God. So use that power to walk a godly life, not for the sake of religious requirements, but because true happiness, true pleasure, true joy, true satisfaction is available in that. Seek your happiness. Seek your joy. Seek your pleasures. You're just doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. We're all doing it wrong when we sin. Seek it in the right place, in the right person. The fountain of living water. And see, in Christ, we have full access to the all satisfying God. We know this, for those of us that are believers. We know this. In Christ, we have full access to the all satisfying God. In Romans 5, verses 1 through 2, Romans 5, verses 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access. Underline it access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we, what? Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God makes us rejoice. That's now how we clearly see the infinite value of God. His glory, when we stare at God and see all that he is and all that he is so good to us, when we see that, we rejoice. We're happy because of who he is, not because of things about us. He brings us true happiness. We don't rejoice in the little tedious things we, we seek. We rejoice in the glory of God. That's what we rejoice in. In Colossians 1.15, we're reminded, hey, in case you forgot, Jesus is God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You should want Jesus if you want the fullness of God, if you want that everlasting pleasure. You should want Jesus. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, I love this, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. When you look up the definition of radiance, it says light emitted by something, usually. Light emitted by something, when you look at Jesus, you see the light emitted by God. Whew. When you look at Jesus, you see the light emitted by God. He is the radiance. You want to get that. Seek pleasure, seek joy, seek happiness, seek fulfillment, seek satisfaction, pleasures forevermore by looking at the radiance of God, Jesus. Jesus invites all people to be truly satisfied in him. If you're not convinced that this is a sound theology in the Bible, Jesus says it in case you still aren't convinced multiple times. John chapter 6, verse 35 Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not, once again, hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You'll be thirsty with a broken cistern. You will. In a chapter later, John 7, verse 38, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Oh, underline that. There it is. Go back to Jeremiah. Go back to Jeremiah. We saw at the beginning that it said in Jeremiah Jeremiah, that the two evils People have committed are that they have forsaken me, says God, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. There it is. Jesus is telling you, you know that thing you heard about, Israel? You, you, you were hearing about how you exchanged my glory for broken cisterns. Here's the fullest revelation of God's living water. Jesus says it right here. He says, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me. The fullest just access to that living eternal pleasure, that living eternal water is in Jesus. In chapter four of the same book, I mean, Jesus doesn't get tired of reminding us. He doesn't get tired of reminding us. And amen to that. Chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's there again. He's reminding us, seek his, the true satisfaction. Seek the true water that will never leave you thirsty, not broken cisterns. I love that he says, I will give him, I will give him the water that I will give him will never be, will never be thirsty again. We will never be thirsty again when we, when he gives us that water. I love that reminder because it's, it's just so clear for me when I see into my past, when I see all the times that I sought the same sin over and over again, How it left me thirsty again. How it left me hungry again. Never fills you up. It is only in God that he says, stop seeking in the wrong things. You will never be thirsty in me. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I mean, again, he's really pushing this. I'm your greatest satisfaction. You'll never be happy without me. Never. Psalm 34, 8, as Pastor Jason was singing, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Try it. Jesus says, try me. Taste and see. I am good. Chapter 36, verses 7 through 9. This was shared, we we looked at this passage with Bill and Jill Randall on Saturday when some of us met with him for a workshop. Psalm 36, verses 7 through 9, it says, How precious is your, once again, steadfast love. We read that earlier. Oh God, the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And here it is. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. Again, in your light, we do see light. Verse 8 is the essence of our relationship with God under a pleasure perspective. We feast on his abundance and he provides endlessly. Why is he providing endlessly? Because he's not a broken cistern. That fountain of life is, That river of his delights that he gives us is endless. It says, by the way, in case you didn't believe this pleasure stuff, river of your delights. You know, sin is also referred to as delights. Similar word, and there's there's a psalm where uh, the psalmist is praying, do not let me incline towards the delicacies," something like that, I'm paraphrasing. Delights, pleasures, satisfaction, We get to feast on that. That's an endless feast. That's present tense. They feast. They didn't feast. It doesn't say they feasted. They feast. It's endless. And out of his abundance. And he gives them drink from the river of your delights. So here's the thing. We really, whether we know it or not, want to seek ultimate feasting in God. That's why I love that the flyer for the men's event said feast. Feast said feast like three times (laughs) holy spirit is at work (laughs) i didn't tell carlos to do that in the flyer it says feast so we should feast on god and he wants to provide to us he wants to give drink from the river of his delights for he is the fountain of life feast in god he provides endlessly I want to finish by giving you a recipe to beat sin. Lord laid this on me because I can relate to people struggling with certain sins because I did for so long. And in a sense, sometimes every once in a while I get a little reminder so that I'm not conceited in thinking that I got it all figured out. I get small reminders. And God says, in your weakness I am made strong. His grace is so good. When you have temptation in your life, and you're going to have it, especially if you're struggling with things that are recurring, when you have temptation, I want you to see temptation in a new light because that's what kind of rocked my world for me. Don't see temptation as a bad thing, see temptation as an opportunity to value God rightly. See temptation as an opportunity to value God rightly. Here's Pizza Hut. Here's Pizzeria Bianca. What are you going to choose? That is temptation. That's why even though we pray, lead us not into temptation, we have to stay but deliver us from evil. Because sometimes, just like God took Jesus into the desert, we need temptation in our lives. Sometimes God, for reasons that he understands, he does take us through temptation. Sometimes he graciously takes us away from temptation. But sometimes he takes us to temptation So that we may value him rightly. That's why temptation is a huge opportunity for you to worship God. For you to worship God and say, that's not good enough. I want you. I don't want that. That's not going to fill me up. I want you. So here's my recipe. God's recipe, not mine. When temptation comes, and you see it as an opportunity to value God rightly, first, value God in faith, because at first you might not see it. At first, this looks better. This other thing looks better. But in faith, declare it. God, you're worth more. God, you're worth more. You're better. I'm not seeing it right now, but in faith, I declare it. Value in faith. Number two, pray for the Spirit to show you that value. In the middle of the temptation, as you declare it in faith, pray for it. God, Holy Spirit, as it said in 1 Corinthians, reveal to me your true value. Only things that your mind can discern. Only things that you can discern, for the natural person can't discern these things. Can you come right now and show me, because I'm declaring it in faith. I'm declaring in faith that you are worth more. I know it. I've experienced it before. I'm forgetting for a moment. Please, I pray, Spirit, Come to me and show me your true value. And then feast. Feast on God. Feast on the provision, the satisfaction, the pleasures forevermore of God. Feast on it. And I say also celebrate because you just valued God more than things that never stack up to it. I think This is just from my personal experience, though I think it has a biblical foundation. Rejoicing in that, celebrating when you rightly choose God over those things will bring victory to your lives over and over again. When you celebrate and say, man, thank you, Holy Spirit, because you revealed to me your true worth and I avoided something that's a broken cistern and I saw you for the true fountain, you will experience victory. Value and faith Pray for the Spirit to show you the value when you don't see it. And then feast. Feast on the pleasures that God provides. Celebrate and rejoice. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves because now we can value correctly through His Spirit. And I no longer need to be a slave to my sin because now I see it for what it actually is and I see true pleasure in God. You are a child of God. That is the greatest pleasure. The greatest pleasure of all is that you are a child of God. God says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's the greatest pleasure. That intimacy with God. Intimacy, pleasure of being with God. We can't discern it. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us. Let's pray. Father, we need your Holy Spirit. And I know that just like I've struggled... Many here have struggled, and even if we haven't struggled to certain addictive degrees, we've all at some point, all of us, valued something more than you, even if it's for a moment. I pray that today you have taught us, Lord, you've taught me and all of the church here gathered, that it's okay to seek pleasure. It is okay to seek satisfaction. It is okay to seek happiness, but that we have to seek it in you. May we feast, feast on the goodness of God. May we feast on it, Lord. Give us just a power in the spirit that we don't have to discern the things of God, to see things for their true worth, broken cisterns, and to see you for your true worth, fountain of life, eternal life, you will never thirst. We will never thirst, Lord, because of this. Remind us of this, like you did in the book, uh, the letter. Uh, excuse me, the Gospel of John. You reminded us over and over again. Don't thirst. Seek me. I pray this will sink deep into our hearts. As the ushers come forth for the offering, I pray that the offering would be multiplied. The tithes and offerings would be multiplied so that we could preach this very word to the city. There are, Redlands and the world is full of people seeking pleasure in the wrong place. We're not here to tell them they shouldn't seek pleasure. We're here to tell them they need to seek pleasure in Jesus. May this money, this offering, this tithe be multiplied to advance your kingdom so that people would seek pleasure in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.